Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Pulp Kitchen. If you're joining us, you've probably just watched episode 100 and... 10. 10. Thank you, James, which came out this week, in which we reviewed Ferrari and Anyone But You. You've probably listened to it and you enjoyed it so much, you were like, I want some more Pulp Kitchen. Mm. Well, here we are with a bonus episode where we're talking about all the films we watched in the time that we were off between Christmas, Christmas and New Year. A combination of the films that we just, for some reason, didn't quite get to. Maybe you saw it first and I didn't get to it. Premieres, London Film Festival. Yep. Now we've managed to catch up over the winter period to touch in on each other's reviews, Absolutely. say what we thought. Also, some older films Old that we were just either revisited. watching for the first yeah. time or things we'd sort of kind of seen or re-watching. And we thought we'd just, instead of trying to break up a huge yeah. main episode, we'll just put this all in a bonus so you guys can find out what we a thought. nice buffet selection. James, the first film I want to ask you about is a 2023 release, which I was really excited to get your opinion on mm-hmm. because uh, I saw it last year, was really surprised by it. That is Blackberry. Yes. You've seen it for the first time. I must say, I also re-watched it this Christmas as well with my family. Yes. James. All of these are going to be quick reviews, yeah, so quick. please go and reference our actual reviews that either one of us did from weeks ago to get sort of more deep dive in them. Absolutely. If you want to know the exact plot and detail, etc., return to the original reviews. But very quickly, BlackBerry covers the rise and very quick downfall of the BlackBerry phone, how it became this... this the world's first smartphone. That's smartphone, the key hook. A phone that did email to, leading up to the rise and the announcement of the iPhone. I will say, you know that week where I went home and I was sick? Mm. I actually tried to watch this with my mum that week I was sick and my mum was like why don't we watch a film tonight we'd done Maestro the day before like why don't we watch a film and I was like oh like I've got Blackberry why don't we watch it George said it was great meant to be good and she was like yeah sure and I was not in a good space oh. I was not feeling well I was very tired it was probably it was like 9.15 which is a little too late to start a film especially if you're sick and I started it and I was falling asleep and it's not the film's problem no, I, was, no. I had a terrible terrible time to do it my mum straight away noticed I was sleeping she was like I'm not I'm not enjoying this let's do a new film I don't want to do it. So I ended up like cancelling Blackberry after like 12 minutes, which is not its fault. Anyway, Blackberry, I really liked it. Great, uh, especially great. after the beginning when Glenn Powell comes in. and Glenn, Glenn Howerton. Thank you, sorry. I just read anyone with you. But Glenn Howerton comes in and he is just like this unstoppable, mm. immovable force. Mm. He's really funny. He's really dynamic. And I really enjoyed it. I think Jay Baruchel's great. Mm. I realised how much I love tech and the history behind mm. the tech and how these conversations were had. All these things I totally forgot about. The idea of switching from purchasing minutes and texts mm. as a... A, as a payment plan for these providers that shift over to data mm. so interesting when he says why would they not want to buy minutes and he's like because there's only there's only One so minute many minutes in a minute, in a, in a minute. Yeah. and whereas data is an infinitely scalable thing um, just so interesting the struggling of them trying to find a solution to the to the keyboard touchscreen thing mm. after the iPhone had been announced mm. just really really good could have watched I would have loved to have watched another hour of the film weirdly mm. of just the next chapter in history switch focus I think a mini series on that whole thing would just be brilliant really like that I, I, I must just say yeah I, I so I, I re-watched it uh, with my family and I was thinking the whole time I enjoyed it took me completely by surprise when I first saw it 
I really enjoyed it. Is it gonna is it gonna be a fluke? Is it yeah. gonna be just as good as the second time round? And you know what? I enjoyed it just as much the second time round. Yeah. All my family loved it. They were hooked. If it was gripping, that it was excellent. It was one of uh, Barack Obama's top films of last yeah. year. If you and like the Social Network, it's kind of it's, it's kind of similar to really that. Really, it's witty, and you're right. That the sort of uh, especially that first act with Glenn Howerton coming in and dealing with Jay Baruchel and sort of cracking these nerds' skulls together. Yeah. There's a great bit, bit where it's like. He doesn't even have an office and he's grabbing the phone and he's like, you've lost the deal with US Robotics. Let me get them on the phone. Right, I need, the modems are broken. How much have you lost? He's like, oh, 1.2 million. He's like, where did you, where did you get 1.2 million from? He's <laughs> yeah. like, I just took out a loan. So like, Jesus Christ. And then he gets on the phone and he's, he sent his guy, you've got to take the modems back, you know, you retake our deal back. And the guy goes, okay, it's fine. If you throw in the patent for the phone. And that's the first time that the f- someone else yes, has mentioned it. And Glenn yeah. Houghton just looks at Jay Bruchel, hangs up the phone, and that's when he knows the phone has value. And yes. they go, he's like, we are he's behind. He's not a tech guy at all. He's like, doesn't know anything. We, we are behind. We are in a ra- How soon can you get me something to market? Yeah. And it's it's really gripping, funny, good needle drops. Just like that great, one of my favorite moments, that really good scene where he goes to pitch to uh, Verizon, Verizon yeah. for the first time. And Glenn Houghton's trying, but he's not a tech guy. He's all broad and bullshit. Yeah. And Jay Baruchel comes in and he's like, what, what, what do you, what got like 10, yeah. 10 phones on the network before it crashed? It's like, well, you're probably doing it this way. Well, we, ha- we have a solution. And then like the classic nerd in front of the corporates gets the dartboard. Like, well, if you do this, yeah. you make all of them the servers. I sound like a, jo- a weird no, joker, but. Yeah, but that's also like that <laughs> really one, good scene. Glenn Howerton has been the dominant figure. And he's been and a bit of a schmuck. And then he's been made a schmuck, you're right. Yeah. And then Jay Baruchel, like, saved the moment. Yeah, and it's... how much they pictured the Blackberry office is just this bu- yeah. a bunch of nerds who love movie nights, yeah. just scrambling to try and find With something. With no Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle wallet. Yeah. It's fun, it's funny, it's really interesting. Yes. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting deep dive in history that's uh, recent. It really is kind of better than it should be. I, I think in a yeah. way, it looks like a very sort of bog standard. This one could have been so boring and yeah. so meaningless, but I, I think it's a really good, solid work. Yeah. From that, fittingly, mm. from one 2023 uh, corporate biopic to another, I watched Air, the Michael Jordan, We Licensed a Shoe movie with, yeah. directed by Ben Affleck with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. and Jason Mabin, and people, we reviewed it last year, but as you know, the... The, the 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 challenge of Nike, who were like the, the underperforming third in line shoe of America, to try and get Michael Jordan to sign on to license for the for the Air Jordan. And Joe, you know, first of all, I think a film like Blackberry is much better. That I have to say than, than yep. Air. Air is one of those films where when you're watching it, you're like, it really is a testament that if you throw enough money and enough A list talent at something, mm-hmm. it sometimes is enough to get you over the line. And Air. Just about like that. I, I, th- I said this on Letterbox. Like the title suggests, it kind of breezes along. It's very enough. easy. It's an, such an easy watch. Yeah, I will say that, and it was fine. We all kind of it, it surfaced, and it perfectly served the moment. We need something mm. easy to enjoy. But I will say that, in, in, thinking back on it, I am like, you really made a film about them trying <laughs> to license a shoe. The dramatic yeah. stakes really couldn't be lower, and it and was. it has a very there's an uh, this insistent point throughout the film where they just keep dropping needle drops i'd say every 90 second it's 80s sure. hit 80s hit to keep you moving and yeah it makes it very watchable yeah but in hindsight i'm like yeah it's because you're realizing that if you let people stop to think for too long they'd be like i'm just watching someone <laughs> buy a shoe i'm just watching uh, someone pitch for business it's just not that interesting did you find it weird that michael jordan in every scene was like this <laughs> yeah uh, what yeah. Oh, i don't know uh, back of his head yeah, like exactly. to the point where it was just too his omission was 
anyone distracting for me. I think really distracting. I would. Air is a good film to fall asleep on a plane to, and I think if anyone's genuinely interested in that story, go and watch the ten-part series, The Last Dance. Oh, oh yeah, totally. I, I think like someone said, Air is good because you know it's just a film. It's not. It's not one of those films that's just there, and it's not, it's not about to do anything too much. else. It's not about anything else. Really it's isn't. just one of the, yeah, like stars you know, an interesting story about a brand you know, easy stakes. Yeah. Get in. I think, I think Nike gets a lot more out of that film than I did. Yeah, yeah than, than you do as an audience. Yeah. But anyway, that was air. So another film that came out towards the end of last year that I missed that I know you said you enjoyed was Dream Scenario. Yes, which I reviewed in a bonus episode last year with Nicolas Cage. It's the sort of story about Nicolas Cage as an average college professor and his he keeps turning up in people's dreams. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I reviewed it in a bonus episode. I was quite surprised. And I said, I wanted to know what you thought about it. And it's an A24 film produced by Ari Aster who's becoming the post... You haven't seen Bones of Radio, have no, you? No. Becoming the poster child of somehow getting the strangest and weirdest concepts funded and put out in cinema regardless if they made money i think bo is afraid lost money and i'm not surprised because that film is huge and yeah. does quite a lot anyway um dream scenario yeah he, 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 <laughs> it was refreshingly strange mm. like, i enjoyed how weird it was like, how really really weird it was like trying to tell someone about your dreams yes i thought so much of the, especially the first half of the film is really funny yeah like all the stuff with the crocodiles and the weird sexual stuff and oh in the, in the dreams yeah 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 yeah, in the yeah. dreams and just Nicolas Cage being a really perfect you know use for that yeah. um I think I think there's parts of it which I think you know you're, you're almost there and it does sort of it makes a really big point that I don't think I fully understand about fame cancel cult culture, cult, yeah. cancel yeah. culture what it means to put yourself on a pedestal and yeah. what it means to react to it and all of that's very interesting and it sort of almost reaches this high mm. sort of quite a sad somber part towards the end yeah. But I enjoyed it. I, I watched yeah. it with Talia and she was a bit like, this is a weird, yeah. <laughs> this is a really weird film. And I'm, we're not really sure what to make of it, but glad it exists. Glad that beautifully shot, a really yes. present yeah. uh, film stock. Mm. Do you know what I mean? A film stock you really like reach out and touch. Mm. That and May, December are very much of this aesthetic, which I'm really seeing as a trend. Present film stock and these sort of long zoom shots yeah. on already zoomed. In. Zoom shots are very trendy right now in cinematography, I will just say. I thought Cage was great, isn't it? Very good. Yeah. Really good. And I thought there's a couple of scenes where I was like, that's really fun. The whole scene. The agency scene. The agency scene is brilliant. And also with the woman from the agency uh, afterwards. Yeah. Uncomfortable, funny. Strange, but really strange. strange. Like, like, can you, you know, the dark corner that he has to stand oh, yeah. in? Like, can you stand there? And he's, <laughs> and he's doing it and indulging in it. The Thoughts Agency was so fun. It's like, so we're thinking Sprite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the following phone call where it kind of, you know, slightly unravels for him. Uh, yeah, and then like later scenes with the influencers, I thought was just, yeah. I was really laughing at that. I liked, um, I liked it just when they were like depicting people's dreams and Nicholas Cage would just walk in and his like <laughs> quarter zip and stuff. Yeah, sometimes he was like the, the subject of the dream and he was like the villain or he was chasing or he was there. Other times he's just walking past yeah. and just happens to be there. It's, it's it, it, yeah, it's not, it's not perfect. It's a little flawed, but it doesn't fall apart like these films no. normally do. He's, he's really funny in it. And uh, yeah, I'm... I'm <laughs> it was really delightfully strange. Yeah. Um, so I saw Dumb Money yeah. from last year as well, which you reviewed I in like a bonus episode about the GameStop thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah, I like Dumb Money in the sense that it is, I came away being like, I now understand what happened at GameStop in, yes. in 2021. I don't think it's, uh, it's not up there. It's not as slick as something like Blackberry or no. as incisive. But, but again, you've got enough A-list talent in there. A, a big ensemble cast. Um, it's 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 interesting enough, and I now understand that story. I don't mean by the Love Actually very comparison. Yeah, yes, 
Yes, I do. See That's that. what I thought about that. It's like a finance love, actually. It's quite. There's quite a lot of intrusive, like, my brother hated the intrusive, like, rap music. And I was like, well, that's just from the year, like, it's from yeah, 2021, right, right, whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's interesting, it's directed by Craig Gillespie, who did, who directed I, Tonya, and a film that I completely forgot until we came out, because I went to see Wonka again with my family. Mm. My thoughts were exactly <clears throat> the same, even slightly less on that film now. And my brother said, yeah, it's fine, but it's no Cruella. And I was like, oh whoa. And I was like, Cruella? I'm Cruella. Not even, and that was directed by Craig Gillespie as well. And I was like, yeah. I have not thought about that since I then. I saw that film. And I saw it too and I thought it was mm. fine. And then my brother and my mum watched it and they said, do you, you want to rewatch it? And I said, no, I think once was enough mm. with Cruella. And um, what was that? when was that? 2021. It's that kind of weird, yeah. slight coming out of COVID wow. time. Wow. Anyway, but uh, Paul Dano, great as ever. Yeah. Nick Offerman is... Um, Nick uh, Offerman, yes. We're all, we're doing... Yeah, he's a real big star now. Yeah. Well. Anyway, uh, May December, new right. Todd Haynes film that yes. you saw quite recently, actually. I reviewed it, I think, ago. the same week we did Saltburn, yes. Yeah, May December, which is a new Todd Haynes film starring Natalie Portman and um, Julianne Moore. Big Oscar contender. Definitely. Not, not, not necessarily for the film, but for performances, yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's, you know, it's briefly for those of you who don't know, it's about uh, these, this, this actress played by uh, Natalie Portman who is going to play Julianne Moore in a film. She is a TV actor who is in a very like sort of method actor way is deciding to spend some time around this woman to study her and try to understand exactly who this woman was to play her in a film. The dynamic that sort of was revealed to you fairly quickly is that Julianne Moore's character was a long time ago involved in this very public tabloid scandal where she, with her husband who she now lives with, uh, ha- basically had an affair with when the boy was 13 years old, 14 yeah, years she old. she was 36. And she was 36. And this is now picking up, you know, sort of at the age where her husband is now 36, so mm. decades later. And it's all about her trying to understand and essentially like morph herself into this person. And, you know, it's, it's very evocative and it's very mm. enticing. And this film really draws you. There's more to say on what this film's about, but please go and check out, check out, check out George's review. Um, I thought it was really interesting and rich and dense. And, like, it really draws you in from mm. the get-go. And I think it's very good at drip-feeding you information and like, letting you know more in a really... It's a, a very simple execution of a very complicated issue, mm. I thought. Um, and, you know, you start with a very clear moral compass on what I think these characters what I think of these characters and just that that whole framing of what I think starts to really unravel towards mm. the end which I quite enjoyed it's frustratingly opaque to mm. watch and it becomes more and more like I said your your intentions on the character sorry your opinions on the characters are changing and the film I think lets you in less and less yes. the more these characters seem to study each other which I actually think is quite interesting and I, I do think that's intentional so the more it hides mm. from you the more I think you want to see and some of the last words exchanged between the two characters are some of the most interesting despite being as an audience member a bit frustrating right thank you, you, you found, know, yeah. the performances are so good I love how much uh, Elizabeth which is Natalie Portman's character really shifts in the beginning to be a character that's quite sympathetic to mm. someone that you really feel such a distance from um, the score so strange yes. the, the first time I heard it this like it's like melancholy Melodrama. Melodrama, piano chime. The first time I heard it, I was like, that's a strange yeah. uh, undertone for the film. And it sort of consistently and tells you. I believe you, it's taken from a previous film and uh, from the 50s, I think, or 60s. That they, right, okay. They're like, I needed to, Todd Hayes was like, I needed to use that specific piece of. And it's sort of always telling you, like, by the way, this is not right. By the way, this is weird. By the way, you should look under the surface. Something's very wrong. I like that. Loved the cinematography. Everything mm. at a distance, everything observational, everything. At far away, but zooming in closer and closer. Such beauty in the landscape, but no one really necessarily engaging with it. 
just lovely. I, I thought maybe the caterpillar butterfly allegory a little bit on the nose yes. and overused, but I'm still there for it. I agree. The performance of um, Charles Melton, Charles Melton, really great. interesting, really great. Some really great scenes, especially with um, Elizabeth and and Charles Melton. Mm. That I thought just he's really good. That like kept the film going at a really interesting tone about. Be, be like ch being childish, being grown up, who has an yeah. authority over that in the first place. Mm. Just interesting and juicy. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with all of that. I, I, I'm glad you said you find it slightly frustrating towards the end because I, I left thinking, oh, it was good. I just, it's almost like I just, I, I think I said I missed just that killer blow. There, it almost like, seems like the last conversation between the characters is really interesting. Yes. And the ending of the film is like a real, this is our last scene, which yeah. is meant for interpretation. And I'm like, maybe I need one more. Yes, <laughs> one more scene just to say just, this is what it is. But that may, I, I do think that's intentional. I think Todd Haynes purposefully wants to keep the audience increasingly in the dark. With, um, with Charles Melton as well, I'll say that he's got a good couple of scenes in it. But uh, this isn't a spoiler to say, but the film, it builds up to um, a graduation at the end of, the, yeah. of, of, of Charles Melton and Julianne Moore's children. And there's a shot of Charles Melton in that, during that event. That's, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, man, that's really... I really get everything that character is going through and I really, yeah. oh, wow, yeah. And um, there's a lot of Oscar buzz for him to be at least nominated for best, I would say best supporting actor, yeah. probably. Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, both both really good. They ha You know yeah, what they great. have? No surprises there. Um, again, intentional. They have a really good lack of chemistry, mm. like an intentional lack of chemistry for the scene. They don't quite really mesh. It's awkward. And it's awkward and like the sort of loss of identity onto the other mm. is quite interesting. And Julianne Moore with the list. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, that was, I'm, okay, good. Because I, it's one of those ambiguous ones I want to, I'm glad I hear another person's opinion of so I can yeah. kind of chew through it. Um, Moving on now to non-2023 films, mm -hmm. old classics we've revisited or perhaps seen for the first time. Mm -hmm. So, James, I'm at home. It's Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And my family are like, what are we going to watch tonight? Do we watch a Christmas film? Do we watch this? Everyone's appetite is a little bit skewed. Mm -hmm. We've all had colds. Everyone's a bit tired. What do we fancy watching? And everyone's a bit like, ah. And I was like, I think we should watch something different. <laughs> I think we should change it up a little bit. You want to be, you want to watch something wintry and cold? I'll give you something. The Let's thing. watch the thing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? And uh, my mum was- It's cold, but with nothing coziness about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And my mum was like, steel. yeah, sure, we'll, we'll do that. And Joe was like, yeah, sure. And my dad was, whatever. I said, basically, I said, it's, you, you've seen Alien, you like Alien. It's mm. a bit like that same era. And we put it on and I'm thinking, I have no idea how this film's going to play. With have my your family, family seen it? Never before. They've oh, never okay, seen right. it. No, no, crucially, they've never seen fine, the film. Fine, fine, fine. Yeah. They'd never heard of it. They'd oh. No, no, okay. never at all. They fine. were like, right. yeah, it was, they were completely bemused, but they just said, okay, well, yeah, we'll trust you. And I, I was thinking, okay, I have no idea this is going to go. Put all the lights down low, mm. turn it on, and it's got that fantastic boom. Turn the radiators off. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. And I'm thinking, okay, rub my hands together. It's cold. It's the Arctic. Mm. Uh, Antarctic, rather. Um, and... Not only did I, it's probably my fourth time of seeing it, and I was like, yes, film rips. I need to so, see it again. I've seen it once. I need to see it again. You've seen it once? Oh, seen it once, yeah. It's really like, good. When I was 22 or something. And I, uh, but I was th really delighted to see that all, all three members of my family really enjoyed it too. Nice. They were like, the, the effects were, it was, it was, uh, I was what with, with the really like nasty practical <laughs> effects in it. Yeah, I was looking at them and they're all like, it's horrible, but they were they were really leaning into it, and I, that, I was I was delighted, and they they agreed. They found it very sort of cold and atmospheric, mm. and um, I really didn't think it would be all of their. T I thought one of them wouldn't like it, but all three of them responded to it and said, "Oh, that was actually pretty good." Because mm. I think the th what works with the thing is that it's inherently just a really good simple science fiction concept. Yeah, 
this like this this fear of of something that you can't see this um, cloning thing. Um, yeah, really liked it. I, I, you should see it again. Yeah, it's great. There's what my favorite. I'd again, love to catch it in cinema if I can. Not to focus on like a specific. Always focus on specific shots, but. Like, the, you, in the thing, you have this co- just slowly escalating sense of things getting out of control, more and more people dying, more and more people potentially being the thing. And there's a bit where McCready just solves something and then the fire alarm runs, goes off and he bursts in and he runs down the corridor and the camera is like running quickly in front of him. So you've got this real sense of pace mm. because the walls are going past him very quickly. It's just a great action shot. And at that moment, I was like, oh, I'm so into this I film. think it's quite good to cleanse the palate at Christmas time that's from the Mary Poppins, yeah. Paddington Wonka, yeah. just something a little bit... That's what I thought. A little bit, little bit crunchy. We'd seen Wonka already. We'd seen like Dumb mm. Money. These are all kind yeah. of safe films. Yes. And I said, yeah. let's light a fire hey. under us. Hey. Oh, I had a new theory about the ending of the thing as well. Okay. Uh, oh, just in case. People had a go at me for talking about the end of Gladiator last week. Did they? Yeah. Some people messaged and were like, "Some people were like, well, I, we played a game about." I said, "Name six. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't sanction that game before James did it. I would have done because why would I name? Uh... Leave it because people are often convinced to go right. watch stuff. Go and watch the thing. Yeah. Uh, so on my list, pile of shame, films that I hadn't seen was Dirty Dancing. Yes. And you went to a secret cinema recently, did you? Twenty twenty two. I think I saw that film four times that year. Wow, yeah. yeah. So Tally had seen it, loved it, and I was like, why don't... She was like, what are we going to watch tonight? And I just threw it out there. I had it in my back pocket. I was like, let's watch Dirty Dancing. And she was like, yeah, clapping, blah, 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 blah. Watch it in bed. Watch Dirty Dancing. I mean, I could only do it in so many words. Brilliant, loved it. Yeah. Beautiful, ch- so charming and mm. sweet. Loved the portrayal of the Catskills. And actually, like, mm. the end of that era of families before they were rich enough to take themselves to Europe and this, like, lightning in a bottle fever pitch of all of these people mixing in, in, one, in one space... That scene when she takes the watermelon across the oh, bridge brilliant. and up to go and carried into a watermelon, the, the watermelon, the, our forbidden fruit, up to <laughs> like temptation, red inside, and you see Patrick Swayze just in his prime. Patrick, Patrick sexy, more Patrick like. sexy, just dancing with those tiny hips yeah. and those black trousers. Yeah. Um, yeah, charming, sweet, way more dramatic than I thought the film was. Mm. In my head, having not seen it, I thought it would have been. I wrongly thought, oh, it's a little bit sort of. Surface and superficial, but it actually goes and tries to tackle quite a lot of dealing with abortion and all of these pregnancies, unplanned pregnancies, things I really didn't think it would cover if it did sort of like in a grease way. Yes, yes. Exactly like in a grease way, Uh, but it doesn't. It has a little bit of dirt under its nails and all of those iconic scenes were great to see all the build up towards it. And I had a a great time with it. What what I love about, so I am going to spoil Dirty Dancing here because like that, that, I'm sorry, that film is so, spoiler warning for Dirty Dancing. That's a little bit more seen than the thing. But um, first of all, I'm really glad you've seen it. I'm really glad you liked it. I, I, I think it's good. And like, that's exactly the same reaction I had when I first watched it. I was like, oh, there's actually much more meat on this yeah. than I realized. I think it's, um, uh, I think it's probably, I still think it's probably the most rewatchable film ever. I could, I could it's very yeah. easy to watch to without being stupid. Again. It's not like yeah. it's completely airheaded and you throw it on. I'm like, I can actually throw Dirty Dancing on any time and, yeah. and get through it and enjoy it. Um, the, the ending of, what I love about the ending of Dirty Dancing is that in a way it's, it's such a small climax. Yeah. It's so it's in a room. It's in a like an assembly room. Yeah. And and the main climactic moment is just the lift. Yeah. And it's brilliant. And when of, it happens, you're like, yeah. And it's not in front of like a new crowd of external influences. It's the yeah. same crowd of people. Yeah. yeah. And a- there's a line I've always really found funny at the end of Dirty Dancing where the Lou Kellerman who runs the the, yeah. the, the, the 
<laughs> the holiday park is saying to like one of his staff, he's like, it's all changing now. Everything's mm. ending. Kids don't want to come away with their parents anymore. They want to go away to Europe. 22 countries in three days. And every time I watch that, I don't know, like 22 <laughs> countries insane. in three days. Must be you, on a train. You, you couldn't do 22 countries in three weeks, I don't think, really. No. Not properly. No. We calculated it. You would have to spend three hours in every country if you didn't sleep. Yes. That's how you would do it. Must be on like some sort of train that goes through like from the Alps through Germany. I, to- I honestly think it's maybe the actor said the line wrong and no one, no one realized yeah. or something. Maybe he meant to say like 12 countries. 22 countries in three weeks. Yes, that makes that, sense. That, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I, I love it. And uh, the lift is great and the lines are funny and the music's good and it's, mm. and it's hot. It's, se- it's sexy. So sexy. And, and a baby is a really good character she's she's got agency she's smart so observational but not in a boring way like a character who just she observes and it changes her every single time every scene she i feel like she's a different person completely the um the woman who wrote it she the script got rejected all over town and what she Mm. would start to do is she would attach a cassette tape of all the music that should go into it right and she would send it around and people would send it back to her, rejected, but say, by the way, I wore that cassette out. Could you send me another one? And she was like, do you not see what you're saying? Yeah. The potential is right here. Totally. Anyway, um, I rewatched an iconic film over Christmas, um, which was, of course, The Silence of the Lambs, mm. which is one of those films that is it's so big and so iconic and parodied. Dr. Yeah, to approach it, you kind of think, oh, here, we, here mm. we go again. How's this going to hold up? So that film came out in 1991. Directed by Jonathan Demme, who we talked about last year because he directed Stop Making Sense. Mm. Um, Surprised that didn't make it into your Pulp Kitchen Awards, by the way. I guess it's because it's I an can, old well, film. Uh, that's it's such I a big part of your I mean, I really wish it? I had. To be, to be totally honest with you, I, I, Did I you didn't... see it four times? I saw it three times. Three times. But it was because I'd seen it before. Yeah, and it, wasn't, know, a, like it a, wasn't a new film. Yeah. But definitely the best cinematic experience I had last yeah. year. Um, and with Science of the Lambs, I, I watched it with my parents who... For a long time, had always been put, always put it off, saying, "Yeah, I've seen it. No, I don't, it's been parried. I don't mm. want to do." it. But now it's been long enough that they said, "I said, can we watch Science of the Lambs?" Mm. And they were like, "You know what? We've forgotten everything about it." Anyway, Your family are so happy to just like that someone's taking control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and you know what? Um, it, it was really great. It was great again. I mean, mm. you've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah, seen it a long time ago now. Yeah. I well, I, it's 19, well, 18, 19. Right, so it, it's definitely yeah. worth the rewatch again. Yeah, yeah. Still holds up, still great. My parents loved it, and they were like, we don't remember any of this stuff. Mm. It's really great. Um, all the stuff that's, you know, the all that stuff is actually quite early on in the film. So you kind of get past the heavily mm. iconic stuff, and then you can get back to enjoying the film without thinking, oh, where's the famous line going to be? You know, the mm. fava beans and the Chianti is mm. probably in the first half an hour. Um, what I find really interesting about The Science of Lands when I was watching it, I was like, this it's iconic for a reason. This really is very influential. You can just see when you're watching it, the ingredients and everything. Like Those not, scenes are so memorable. Well, yeah, but, but it's like, it's, I just, you just kind of has this kind of raw power that obviously things like Mindhunter, the TV series, takes a lot because you know, you're profiling serial killers. But I actually, when I was watching it, I think The Dark Knight somehow... It's loosely inspired by science. Oh, uh, yeah, I see I know, what you mean. I know Nolan says about like using scene heat. And- it's more about this slow, this broiling escalation of mm. of a very um, spectacular villain. But you also have this kind of three-way dynamic between, because Hannibal Lecter isn't the villain. It's Buffalo Bill who's committing the crimes. Mm. And Clarice Starling has to work with uh, Hannibal Lecter. And in the same way, it doesn't quite operate the same way in, in, in The Dark Knight, but you have... The Batman 
Joker and Two Face, you know mm. Harvey Dent, and the, and the similar th- and, and there's a scene in in Science of the Lambs where, you know Buffalo Bill's taking another woman and and it, and, it's, and, it, and the, the sense of urgency is escalating and they have to move Hannibal Lecter out of the, the prison and he's in an airport hangar and there's police cars turning and the music's building up and I was like yeah this really feels like in the Dark Knight where everyone is kind of losing their minds with the mm. rising. Um, terror that the, mm. the Joker is inspiring. It's that scene when Batman interrogates the Joker and he's trying to punch him. You realise he's trying to beat and punch an idea. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's like, actually, you can't... That's what Batman was. Yeah. You can't destroy a symbol. That, that I think, think Clarice Starling is a really interesting character. I think the, the <clears throat> dynamic between him, Lecter, and Starling is brilliant. I think um, it had... I, I, I was amazed that, despite it being so iconic and so influential, that it hadn't exhausted itself and looked dated by comparison you know sometimes when something is so influential you go back and look at it and you go oh but everything now has been done better yeah it does this really interesting thing actually this is my main takeaway was that it's shot everything is shot in very very tight close-up on people's faces yeah. but people talking directly to the camera in direct address which creates this really unsettling strange point of view it's mm. it's just i thought actually i haven't seen a You'll thriller in a long time most thrillers you, you assume as being shot kind of in a mid to a long range to get mm. a sense of um, scene, you know, uh, yeah, a sense of drama and scene, you know, like a, a, a diner with a cop car outside kind of thing. Mm. And having these real tight close-ups was really cool. And actually there's a scene where um, Star- Clarice Starling is speaking with her, I can't remember the character's name, speaking with her, her police colleague she's only in the fbi academy actually so it's just like a fellow student yeah. on top of the washer dryer trying to crack the case and i was like oh my god this almost breaks the bechdel test actually in a way you've got mm. two characters that character is named they've got two female characters who are both named are having a conversation about something other than men i know they're talking about a man's violence against women which doesn't quite go as far but it's in a work context they're talking about work mm. and honestly the way it's shot it's in that real tight close-up and the way they're looking at each other. I genuinely think there's like a, um, a queer reading you can put on that moment because the admiration, the way that the, her colleague, friend, FBI partner looks at her is with such admiration and respect for Clarice's mind, for the way she's thinking about it. Mm. She's like, that's brilliant, Clarice. And it's really striking. I was like, that, oh, this is really, there's so much in this mm. film that's interesting. There's also a moment as well where I thought, oh God, this is where the film's going to put its foot in its mouth, where uh, the, 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 she's talking with Hannibal Lecter about uh, Buffalo Bill and the, the topic of transsexualism comes up about Buffalo Bill being a transsexual. And I thought, oh, no, we're not going to we're not going to go down a path where you associate, you know, deviancy or violence with transsexualism. But luckily, Clarice Starling's line immediately afterwards is there's no correlation between violence and transsexualism. And Hannibal Lecter then says, I know. And Buffalo Bill isn't a transsexual. He's actually um feigning that because actually he's got this thing over here and i was like crisis avoided <laughs> thank god yeah, because yeah. otherwise this would be an uncomfortable watch yeah so science of the lambs shocker still great clear, i think anthony hopkins's most distinct performance oh it's like all the things yeah. he's oh, done yeah. absolutely it stands out as the most different performance i've seen from him off the top of my head i will just say sorry just finished first thing um i i think the there's a needle drop in it of Q, Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus, which is not that famous a song. It's basically only famous for being used in this, but it's a real banger. I think it's one of my favorite needle drops ever because it's just such a good song and fits it so well. Yeah. Also, I actually would like to go back and see um, Manhunter, which is the original Hannibal Lecter movie they made with Brian Cox as right. Hannibal Lecter, which was directed oh, by yeah. Michael Mann mm. um, in the early 80s. And that's going to be quite stylish and different. I'd like to see a kind of pre... Mm. We associate that character so much now with, with 
Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see a pre. I'd always heard great things about the show Hannibal. Yes, with, with um, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen. Loads of people love that. Anyway. Um, yeah, another one in my uh, a film that I had not properly seen when I was a lot younger, but I couldn't really count and say, you know what, I've really seen this as a grown up. So, like, I remembered a lot of it, but Annie Hall. Yes. Uh, so, like, obviously, Woody Allen stuff completely separately. It's very much yeah. present and there when I'm watching the film. I won't go into it, but, you know, like, there just is that ickiness yeah. about Woody Allen. Um, watching the film, it, it is great. And I think, you know, <laughs> the, the second half of it, I liked way more than the first. Mm. Something about Woody Allen, it's been a while probably intentional, it, yeah. is very irritating. Yeah. He's very, like, feeble and perverted, and he sort of, like, clings on to Annie Hall while she's walking and, yeah. like, protective and things like that. It's so much of... His behavior is just mm. icky and quite irritating, especially if you don't like Woody Allen style comedy. Mm. I actually do find Woody Allen style comedy. I love Larry David, Jerry Stuff. It mm. all kind of goes under that umbrella. Um, but it is so funny and it's so smart. And all of the breaking the fourth wall quips and yeah. the, the little sketches and bits from his childhood are just so well done. Yeah. I love how the most of the film is not just has such a strong sense of place. It's not just a love letter to New York, it's a hate letter to Los Angeles. Uh, the way yeah. in which he depicts yeah. all the things he hates about LA, which anyone could say about New York that the like eating near roads like yeah. loudness in the street every time he's in LA the road sound is just blasted yeah, yeah, and yeah. no one can hear what they're saying there are so many funny moments when he's at these LA parties and like this little bit where Jeff called yeah things like, was like hi is that my therapist no, I no, forgot yeah, my yeah, mantra yeah, yeah. Jared I, I, I forgot my mantra yeah <laughs> so so but like loads loads of moments where like little parts of that script are so rewarding yeah. and that writing of that rom-com really wants you to listen yeah. and it's so so well done and I, I did have to sort of give the film that for being yeah it's been long a- for films uh, rom-coms to have that much to say as annie hall yeah i've only seen it once about 10 years ago but i remember being really impressed by how inventive and snappy and sharp yeah. it is and it's definitely lower down on the in hindsight problematic films that he's made like, i know manhattan yeah. apparently is quite yeah. icky now but um i would i yeah i'd be keen to watch it and you know diane keaton sort of in the yeah Lobsters, K. What are you doing? Not K. Annie, Annie. Speaking of lobsters, yes, I watched uh, the lobster. Right, Yorgos Lanthimos, a lobster film that a lot of people had said they'd really liked and Mm. really recommended to me. And I thought, you know what? I fancy some Lanthimos. I'm about to watch another Lanthimos in Poor Things. I've seen the favorite. Um, The lobster, I liked. I didn't love it. I think the second half to me. You've seen it? No, you haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it. The second half to me is much more interesting than the first. Do you know the premise of the lobster? Is about like it's about this solid? dystopian, oppressive regime where people are basically, they have to find a romantic partner and they enter this program where Olivia Colman runs it. It's sort of very authoritarian, very violent, and you're meant to sort of mix with other people and you're, everyone speaks in this very, that would be nice, I'd like to do that. Yes. Everyone tells the truth. Everyone's forced to tell the truth. Yeah. Kind of like the sort of messaging from this fascist regime means that you cannot possibly say what you really think, but therefore you have to fall in love. And if you don't fall in love within a certain time period, you will turn into your designated animal. And this guy decides that if he doesn't fall in love, he'll turn into a lobster. And it stars Rachel Weisz and uh, John C. Riley and Ben Whishaw. Um, It's okay. Like like a lot of Lanthimos, it can be very obtuse and irregular. And I don't think I was prepared for... Lanthimos weirdness going in, yeah. even though I, I know what Yorgos Lanthimos is like. And I'm just ready for poor things. So I actually just sort of had to recalibrate myself like half an hour in and be like, do you know the kind of director you're watching? Yeah. Recalibrate. So the second half, I think the, the any sort of sadness or s- the somber note it goes to, I think sneaks up on you. And I think part of that works, but ultimately I don't think I connected with the film enough to say mm-hmm. that it's one of my favorites. He's very arch. 
And he likes to hold <laughs> totally. you at a distance. And Very much that's so. why I pref- I know you haven't seen it, but that's why I like Killing of a Sacred Deer because mm. it's so, but because the plot of that is quite sinister and and uncomfortable, it kind of works. Whereas I sometimes feel like when you're trying to do something else with that approach, I don't know. But but yeah, and it's like all of his, the films of his I've seen very uh memorable and very interesting but i don't i can't say i've like loved one yet yeah i don't I've feel really i don't feel all of anything so i don't come away sort of yeah. beam with but but yes i i can see so i will yeah. watch poor things i think it's like next friday it's out and i'll we'll pick up on lanthimos but is that it are we done we're done guys well, that was just our, films. our bonus episode for you all the things that we caught up on I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed that very much. That's what I love about Christmas and seeing all those films and kind of new and old and you, yeah. with a burst of energy. And uh, guys, we don't always just talk about new stuff. We do like to talk about old films yeah. every so often. And guys, if you've seen any of those recent films that we talked about or any of the older ones and you fancied writing in, do so to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We would love to hear them out on the show. And if not, we'll see you next Wednesday for our next episode of Pop Kitchen. See you guys. Bye.